So here we are. We've come to the end of our series looking at Jeremiah the prophet. A prophet during a time of one of um, Hebrew, the Hebrew history's worst times, really. One of the most difficult times that they found themselves in. And yet, as that uh, little video says, God's faithfulness and um, the fulfilling of his promise, he still holds on to that, doesn't he? He says it will come about no matter what. So there is hope even in the middle of a very difficult time. Jeremiah, as we've heard each week for the last uh, three weeks, has been warning the people of God for decades uh, that the disaster and destruction is going to come and overcome them as a result of their rejection of a God and of their failure to obey the covenant that they have made with him or he's made with them. What we've discovered with uh, the Israelites is that they want all the benefits of, God's um, to, of being God's special people. They want his blessing. They want his protection. They want his love. But they don't want any of the commitment or the cost that comes with it. So Jeremiah was called to be uh, um, a prophet, to speak to the people of God, to call them back to God. But it wasn't a message that they wanted to hear. We discover that uh, Jeremiah not only had a knowledge of God, but he had a relationship with God. His calling was to speak the word of God. We've heard that every week. But he also lived out the word that he spoke. He understood what the Israelites didn't about what it meant to be in a covenant relationship with God. He understood, didn't he, God's heart of love for his people. But he also loved God's people himself. They were his people. And his heart broke for those people. He broke uh, for their rebellion and their rejection of God. But what we've discovered is all of this led for poor Jeremiah to discouragement and isolation, to rejection and ridicule. So during our series, we've built up this picture, haven't we, of Jeremiah serving God in a time of crisis. We've discovered that it's far from easy. It can be heartbreaking. It can be discouraging. And yet what we've also found is that Jeremiah never gives up. So today we're going to jump um, into an account of the reign of Zedekiah. He's actually the last king of Judah. We come to a point in, Jerus uh, in Jerusalem where it's now under siege, under siege by the Babylonians. And Zedekiah, the king, is actually a puppet king. He's been placed there by Nebuchadnezzar, who's the king of the Babylonians. And e Egypt are around. They're a potential threat to Jerusalem. They're also a potential threat to the Babylonians. And they're on the move. The Egyptian army are on the move. And so Babylon, although um, taking Jerusalem under siege, starts to move back to sort out what's happening in um, Egypt. So that's where we're at. And we're going to look now and um, jump in, at the, in the story at Jeremiah 37. So if you have a Bible and you want to turn to Jeremiah, sort of just after the middle of your Bible in the Old Testament, Jeremiah chapter 37. I'm going to read some verses beginning at verse 11. After the Babylonian army had withdrawn from Jerusalem because of Pharaoh's army, Jeremiah started to leave the city to go to the territory of Benjamin to get his share of the property among the people there. But when he reached the Benjamin gate, the captain of the guard, whose name was Irajah, son of Shelemiah, the son of Hananiah, arrested him and said, you are deserting the Babylon to the Babylonians. That's not true, Jeremiah said. I'm not deserting to the Babylonians. But Irajah would not listen to him. Instead, he arrested Jeremiah and brought him to the officials. 
They were angry with Jeremiah and had him beaten and imprisoned in the house of Jonathan, the secretary, which they made into a prison. Jeremiah was put into a vaulted cell in a dungeon and there he remained for a long time. Then King Zedekiah sent for him and had him brought to the palace where he asked him privately, is there any word from the Lord? Yes, Jeremiah said, you will be delivered into the hands of the king of Babylon. So we find Jeremiah falsely accused here, accused of treason that he's deserting to the Babylonians because they've distorted his message and they've misunderstood what he's trying to say, what God is saying to them, that they must surrender to the Babylonians. And he gets beaten and he gets thrown into prison. And he's there for a long time. We're not sure whether it's days, weeks, months or years. But eventually, Zedekiah calls for him and asks to speak to him in private. He wants to know if God has said something different. He's hoping that Jeremiah might have changed his message. And what we start to see is a contrast between the character of these two men, between Zedekiah and Jeremiah. Zedekiah wants to meet Jeremiah in secret. He wants to find out if God has changed his mind about what is happening or what will happen to his people. I wonder why he wants to speak to Jeremiah privately. Well, we know, don't we, that Jeremiah's not popular. He's hated by the people and he's not going to change his message. I guess King Zedekiah is worried about what people might say if they know he's uh, consulting this rather crazy prophet. What we discover, though, is Jeremiah, on the other hand, is, isn't concerned at all about who he talks to or the status of the one who is listening He's just got one concern, and that is to speak the word of God that God has given to him. He doesn't care. He's not interested in whether it's acceptable or not. Zedekiah, just like the people that, um, of God that he rules over, have settled for a lukewarm experience of God, a watered-down commitment of God, if you like, that's led them to think about God on my terms, that kind of God on my terms attitude to living. How easily this can happen, how easily we can get into that position of this lukewarm experience of God. Life gets busy and demanding. We stop having time to connect with God regularly. We start to miss church now and again, maybe because there are jobs around the house that need to be done or there's work to catch up on. And before we know it, we're experiencing that watered down, lukewarm relationship with God. But what happens is that gradually other voices become louder than God's voice. God's voice becomes harder to hear. But we see something very different in Jeremiah, don't we? Jeremiah says it's not about God on my terms, it's about God on his terms. Jeremiah, in, in contrast to Zedekiah, sustains a close and an intimate relationship with God. He listens constantly to what God is saying and he, he longs to hear God's voice. What we find as we follow the story is that whether you're lukewarm in your relationship with God or closely in touch with God, both those things have consequences in the way that we live or choose to live when life gets tough. We're going to have a look now at chapter 38. We find that poor old Jeremiah again is being falsely accused, um, this time for, for discouraging the people of God by saying that they should surrender to the Babylonians. 
Let's have a look in uh, chapter 38 at verses 4 and 5. Then they said, the officials said to the king, this man should be put to death. He's discouraging the soldiers who are left in this city, as well as all the people, by the things that he's saying to them. This man is not seeking the good of these people, or, but their ruin. How untrue an accusation that could be. He's in your hands, says Zedekiah. The king can do nothing to oppose you. Did you notice there again that Zedekiah is showing his fear of the people? He shows a lack again of trusting God. He doesn't want to stand up and protect Jeremiah. Sounds very similar, doesn't it, to Pontius Pilate when uh, Jesus was being accused. Both more willing to compromise than stand up for what is right. But then let's read on in verse 6. So they took Jeremiah and they put him into a cistern of Malchijah, the king's son, which was in the courtyard of the guard. They lowered Jeremiah by ropes into the cistern. It had no water in it, only mud. And Jeremiah sank down into the mud. You wonder, don't you, how much more can this one prophet handle? These men now want Jeremiah dead, but they couldn't kill him. They couldn't have the blood of a prophet on their hands. So instead, they lower him down into this dirty, old, muddy cistern that happens to be empty, knowing that eventually he's going to die from salvation. So there's Jeremiah, sunk down into the mud and the mire. What a really sad picture. I wonder, how did he feel as he was lowered down into that darkness? Again, here he was, so misunderstood, again wrongly accused, now abandoned by the king, the one who'd been appointed to lead God's people, abandoned by him. Here in the darkness is God's prophet, the man who we heard last week had God's word burning like a fire in his heart that he can't contain. The man who willingly is facing isolation and rejection because of his love for God and his love for his people totally persecuted by the ones that he so longs to see saved. Hmm. I wonder, can you identify with Jeremiah and that perseverance of being obedient to God? Is that something that you've struggled with or are struggling with? Perhaps God has put a call on your life and you're persevering in trying to be obedient to that call or to that task that he's given you to do. Or perhaps you just simply identify with Jeremiah because of the ongoing challenge that we have to live a God-honouring life in a culture that holds none of the values that God holds. Or I wonder if you identify with um, Jeremiah this morning because um, you're going through a time of uncertainty and struggle. I wonder in those times, have you found it to be relentlessly difficult? Have you found it to be unfruitful and discouraging as we were looking at last week? <laughs> I wonder if you feel like you're in a murky, muddy cistern this morning, sinking and hopeless, wondering why it's so hard. Maybe you're wondering if it's worth even carrying on. I wonder what might that dark, unrelenting cistern might be for you. Well, it could be outright opposition like Jeremiah was experiencing, like Jeremiah faced. It's true, isn't it, for many people around the world today that they're struggling 
with persecution that puts them in prison. That is, um, they face torture because of standing up for their faith, maybe even death. But perhaps that's not true for us this morning. But what might be true for us? What are those wrestles that we have? Is it doubt? Is it doubt that God will be able to rescue you from that mud and that mire? Is it doubt and worries that God might have abandoned you? Is it discouragement because you feel like that lone voice that speaks up constantly at work about your faith? Or you're that lone voice in your family and nobody else agrees with your views? Or do you struggle with a lack of purpose because you can't do what you used to be able to do? Or is it a fear of the future or fear of bad news? What do you do when you're down in that pit, in that difficult place, in that dark place with your feet in the mud? How do you keep going? How do we stay persevering and obedient to God? Well, I think if we look at the life of Jeremiah, what we discover is an unwavering trust, an unwavering trust in the God who he loves. And it's that that enables him to keep persevering. We see a person in Jeremiah who not only knows God, who not only hears God, but who trusts God. And because he trusts God, he submits to God's authority in his life. And he puts into practice what he knows and what he hears. And this is the difference, I think, between Jeremiah and Zedekiah. Jeremiah understood, understood that obedience was not just about following rules. Of course, under the old covenant, obedience to God was a requirement for enjoying his favour. But that was the covenant that the Israelites had signed up to. They knew that, that he would be their God and they would be his people. But deep within Jeremiah, in his heart, not just in his head, was a desire to obey the God who he loves. That word obey in Hebrew has uh, its roots in a word that says is here under is actually the translation for it. Here under. It's the implication that when you obey somebody, when you obey, it's not just to hear, but to submit here under, to submit to the authority of the person that you trust who is speaking to you. We see, don't we, um, in 1 Samuel um, Saul is in a very similar uh, situation to Zedekiah. He's offering sacrifices to God in worship, but not living God's way. And that's what Zedekiah and the people of God are doing here. They're, they're still wanting to worship God, still wanting to bring sacrifices to God, but they don't want to live how God has called them to live. And you may well remember Samuel challenges Saul with a question. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord. He says to obey is better than sacrifices. To heed is better than the fat of rams. Responding to God's love is shown not by the way we sing, but by the way we live, by the choices we make, not by the things that we say. It's those promises that we make um, to God, living them out, choosing each day, to show our love for God by living holy lives, by living his way, by being obedient to him. 
So for Jeremiah, true obedience stemmed from a transformed heart, a heart that hears, a heart that trusts, and a, and a heart that knows God. It's a simple but I think a hard question. When we find life hard and when we're in a difficult place, whether it be because we're suffering for standing up for our faith or because we won't compromise in the way that we live, the question is, do we trust God in that time? When life doesn't make sense, when we get knocked down again and again, when we don't see God answering prayer, when battles seem to be more lost than won, do we trust God? In the muddy, murky pit, I wonder if Jeremiah reminded himself of some of the words of hope and grace that keep repeating themselves through his prophecies. You can find many of them in um, chapters uh, 31 to 33. Promises like this that God said to his people, I have loved them with an everlasting love. Promises like I have continued my faithfulness to you. I will build you up. I will turn your mourning into joy. My people will be satisfied with my goodness. God promises a new covenant that will be written on their hearts. And through this time, God trusts, even though he can't see it, that God will fulfill what he promises. He holds on to God's word, even when he's in that pit, even when he's in that muddy, murky, dark cistern, even when there seems to be very little evidence of God's of hope, he holds on to what God has said. So this morning, can I encourage you to hold on to the promises of God in your struggle and in your pain this morning? God's promise is that he will never leave you or forsake you. His promise that he is faithful. His promise that there is hope because of Jesus, that there will be an end. As we move on in the story, Jeremiah is rescued from the mud. You really must read the story. It is such a great story. We haven't got time to read it now, but I really would encourage you to read it. I want to jump on um, in, in the story to when he's out of the pit, he's been rescued and he's back with Zedekiah. I want to read from chapter 38, verse uh, 14. Then King Zedekiah sent for Jeremiah the prophet and had him brought to the third entrance to the temple of the Lord. I'm going to ask you something, the king said to Jeremiah. Do not hide anything from me. Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, if I give you an answer, will you not kill me? Even if I give you counsel, you would not listen to me. But King Zedekiah swore this oath secretly to Jeremiah. As surely as the Lord lives, who has given us breath, I will neither kill you nor hand you over to those who want to kill you. Then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. If you surrender to the officers of the king of Babylon, your life will be spared and this city will not be burned down. You will be spared um, and you and your family will live. But if you will not surrender to the officers of the king of Babylon, this city will be given into the hands of the Babylonians and they will burn it down. You yourself will not escape from them. And verse 19 says this. King Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, I am afraid of the Jews that have gone over to the Babylonians, for the Babylonians may hand me over to them and they will mistreat me. Did you notice 
that God is holding out his hand of love and grace again, one more time to Zedekiah, one more time to his people, inviting them to surrender to the Babylonians and to be saved. But Zedekiah fears people more than he fears God. I find this so challenging, such a thought-provoking statement. Zedekiah fears people more than he fears God. I find it so challenging that there are times when I care more about people's opinion than I care about what God thinks. I wonder, can we be like Zedekiah sometimes? I wonder what it looks like. Missing an opportunity perhaps to, to say that we've connected with church on Sunday when we're asked what we did at the weekend. Avoiding a chance to share my faith with a friend for fear of being shunned or laughed at. Not speaking up about God's standards and what God thinks is right because we're scared of what people might say. So many times people's opinion or fear of what people might say can cripple us from doing the right thing. We saw, didn't we, how Zedekiah had become lukewarm in his relationship with God. And we see that compromise is the result. A lukewarm relationship with God means we stop being open to hear what God's to hear God's voice. We stop trusting God with our lives. And so what we discover is we lack the resilience to keep going when life gets tough. What we find is that Zedekiah was flaky. He was unwilling or perhaps unable to stand firm, unwilling to persevere and walk with God under pressure. He was opting out rather than opting for obedience. What happens is that Zedekiah, as a result, and the people of God too, they come under God's judgment for their sin and for their disobedience. Zedekiah feared the consequences of being obedient to God, of the warning coming um, judgment. He, he didn't trust God's word. And because of that, Jerusalem was destroyed and Judah was sent into exile. But Jeremiah is such a contrast, isn't he? He was steadfast and he was firm, willing to persevere, willing to walk with God, even under pressure. He opted in and he chose obedience. I think what Jeremiah discovered was that the safest place we can possibly, possibly be is in radical obedience to God. Yes, it's risky. And there's no promise that it will be easy or plain sailing. But I would say from Zedekiah's experience, it's even more risky not to obey God. There's something deeply challenging about Jeremiah's life, isn't there? We've met a man who relentlessly and wholeheartedly has served God in a time of immense crisis in his nation. He was called to share a message of warning and hope to a people that repeatedly Refused to listen. But what I think Jeremiah shows us is he's a pointer, if you like, to, to Jesus, isn't he? Jesus, who is our ultimate example of obedience in the face of suffering. Jeremiah's story can't help reminding us of Jesus's story. Jesus came with a message that was not popular with many, a message of grace, but also of justice. He was misunderstood, wasn't he? 
treated badly by those who he loved, by those that he came to help. He found out that Jeremiah was left for dead in a water cistern for being obedient to God. Jesus walked the way of the cross. He was obedient to death, even death on a cross, as we've remembered earlier in communion. I love the words in Hebrews chapter 12. They're wonderful words that you'll recognize because we've already been pointed to them during our series in Jeremiah. But I think they sum up so beautifully the challenge of Jeremiah, the challenge to follow Jesus. They say this. This is our challenge as we draw our series to a close. Let us, brothers and sisters, run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Jesus calls us today to keep our eyes fixed on him so that we don't lose heart as we persevere in following him. Jesus speaks, doesn't he, of the full extent of God's grace towards us. Jesus speaks of the reason that we are called to persevere. So my encouragement to you, to me this morning, is to stay close. Stay close to God, close enough that we can hear what he's saying, close enough that his voice is louder than anybody else's. To be obedient because we hear under, we listen, we hear, but our lives are lived out as lives of trust in our God who offers hope, who offers grace who offers us to walk in radical obedience to him. Shall we ask him for his help now? Let's pray. Father, we're sorry for those times when we've allowed the voice of the world or the voice of others to become louder than your voice. We're sorry for those times when when we've... uh, when we've lived in fear of what other people might think rather than living for an audience of one. But Father, we thank you too for your amazing grace, your amazing love that keeps drawing us back to yourself. And we pray today that we might start again, start afresh, as those who are listening, hearing your voice, walking closely with you and persevering. And Father, we pray whatever it is that we might be facing today, that we might find like Um, like Jeremiah, that ability to hear your promises, to stand on your promises, to remind ourselves that you won't ever leave us, to remind ourselves that we have a hope and a future because of Jesus. So Father, we thank you that you call us to yourself and and you hold us steady and you hold us firm. And we pray that we would have ears to hear and hearts to respond in obedience today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I wonder... What has been the um, take home, if you like, for you during our series in Jeremiah? We learned so much about Jeremiah's faithfulness, haven't we, in serving God in a time of crisis. I wonder if it was something about his calling, something about his broken heart, something about the discouragement and how he faced it, or something about his perseverance. 
I wonder what it's been for you that God has spoken to you about. After the song that we're going to um, sing together now, Chris and I are going to um, have an opportunity to talk a bit about what we've been learning. And we invite you to, to write in the chat something that God has really spoken to you, a take home that you've had from this um, series that has been so helpful to so many um, during this time. We're going to sing that fantastic song, Living Hope. And uh, the second verse says this, Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my, my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of King calls me his own. Beautiful Saviour, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Let's sing about that grace and that mercy that God extends to us today. <laughs> 